good morning. morning. It's a great privilege to be here again and just to share God's word with you. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your presence here this morning. We thank you that you are the one who does inhabit the praises of your people. And we thank you for your presence and we ask it to continue now as we come to your word. That your word will become alive this morning and will touch our of our hearts for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to start this morning in Matthew chapter 16. Uh, as most of you, you know, uh, we launched Sound the Battle Cry a few months ago. And it's, uh, we're just continuing to, to open that up and to see where God is going to take that. And uh, I get excited about it. And uh, uh, we just pray that God would uh, just do the things he wants to do with that. Uh, and reaching uh, the church here in Scotland. Uh, but uh, God's good and we just long just to continue serving him as long as, as he gives us breath because I believe we're, we are in exciting times just now I believe the church is in the most exciting period that it's ever been in because I believe we are living in the days prior to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and I believe that uh, you want to get fired up about that that our lives count the, the life of the Christians count in this day and age in which we live in order that we become the ones who prepare the way for the coming of the King eh? Amen and so uh, I just want to start in Matthew 16 this morning it's uh, Matthew 16 I just want to start off in, in reading some verses from verse number 13 well known verses it says this when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea uh, Philippi he asked his disciples who did people say that the son of man is and they answered and uh, said some say John the Baptist others say Elijah and some others Jeremiah or one of the prophets and I love, I love this next phrase in the NIV it's not in, in all other translations but I just love this phrase in the, in the NIV and I'm going to throw it out to you this morning because I think it's just an important statement is asked his disciples who does men say that I am and they've come back with all these answers and then he says this in the NIV but what about you? you know, I, I love that statement but, but what about you? Who do you say that Jesus is this morning? Is he a teacher? Is he a prophet? Is he a man in history? Or is he your saviour and your Lord? You know, so I'm throwing it out this morning, right at the start of the meeting. I love that song, Just As I Am, Without One Plea. I think it's just such a, a beautiful song. Uh, and uh, so uh, I'm asking you this morning, what about you? If I came round you individually, I'm not going to do that this morning, but if I came round you individually this morning, I said, what about you? Who, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Would you be able to say, he's my Lord, and he's my Saviour, and he's my Master? He replies, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for that was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on the rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his, his disciples, do not tell anyone that he was the Christ. 
Christ. I'm going to read on a wee bit from that time on. Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day, be raised to life. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never harm to you. And Jesus turned to him and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. And God will add a blessing to the reading of his precious word. The sound of battle cry is a call for the church to get real. That we're not here just to idly sit by and wait till the Lord comes. Sound the battle cry is a cry to get real in, in, in this present world that we are God's last time army. I believe that the saints of God are God's last time army who will be the ones who will stand in the darkness. You see, the church is the only body of people who can stand in the darkness and confront the enemy. There's no other body of people on the earth that is able to do that except the church. And so we are in a privileged place this morning that we are those who are able to stand and confront. We've sang these songs in the name of Jesus, you know. The demons have to flee. We have to stand. And this, if there ever was a call to stand, it is this morning. It is in this time, in this day, in this generation, there is a call to the church that we need to learn again how to stand. And not just to go on uh, in the status quo and just doing the things that we normally do, but to stand against the infiltration of the enemy. And Jesus, before the church is even birthed, Jesus draws up the battle lines in Matthew 16. He draws up the battle lines, he says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So Jesus, right at the start, well, the inception of the church, or the conception of the church was this, that there is going to be a battle line drawn up. There are going to be the church, and there are going to be the gates of hell. And I want to tell you, the gates of hell will try and try and try to kill and destroy and steal what's yours in Christ. Because that's what, his, that's what his job is. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I believe that the enemy today, at no other time in history, is more active in trying to, to paralyze and to neutralize the church in this day and this generation. And how successful he appears to be, because the church in Scotland is being marginalized out and out, out, out to the margins of society, whereas the church should be right at the heart of society, because we are the carriers of all that God has for Scotland. Amen? Come on, give me an amen for that, that the church is the carriers of all that God has for Scotland. And so we need to come to know that the battle lines are drawn up, and the battle is getting fiercer. And it's getting fiercer because Satan knows that his time is limited. And so he seeks to come in and destroy and paralyze the church so that they become ineffective in their witness for the Lord Jesus Christ in the communities in which they live. You've heard, I don't know if I've shared this before. If, you, if, you, if you've heard it, still laugh, okay? Just to, just to humor an old man, okay? You see... The, the, the greatest weapon in Satan's armory is the church's vocal ascent to the status quo. I'm going to repeat that. That's what the funny bit was. <laughs> the greatest weapon in Satan's armory is that the church wants to stay as it is. Because when, when he comes upon a body of people who just want to stay as they are without progressing and growing and going forward in the battle, he is quite happy. I want to tell you this morning, if you want to stay as a status quo, I want to tell you, you're only going in one direction and you'll be in dire straits. 
What's the funny part? Humor, man. That's the funny bit. <laughs> no. But it's so true. Status quo leads us in one direction and brings us into dire straits. You see, and that is the greatest weapon that, that, that Satan has in his armory is he, he finds a body of people who are saved by the blood of Jesus but want to stay there and not to progress and to take land and to take the kingdom of God in their community. You see, Martin Luther Jr. said this, that the church for, uh, one day was very powerful. And we need to get back to being a powerful church in the land. We need to get back to being a powerful church against the enemy. We need to get back to know that we are a powerhouse of God. Amen. Come on. We are a powerhouse of God that God can overflow us with his Holy Spirit in order that we can be the ones that can march and fight and prevail against the gates of hell. But I don't, want to, I don't want to go on this morning about the enemy. It's good to know what the enemy is up to. It's good to know who he is. But I want to tell you something that's unique about the church this morning. Amen? Because, you know, we need to know what is unique about us. What, what's so unique about us that God can use us in this day, in this generation, and who can use us in this invasion, in this fight, in this battle against the enemy who is trying to kill and paralyze the church. I'm going to give you four S's this morning because I find it if, if, if you give four S's, folk know when you're coming to the end of your message, when you reach the fourth one. But I might add another two in at the end, so I'm going to confuse you this morning. No, I'm not. <laughs> I want to tell you this morning that I believe that the church is a unique body on earth. It's the only body on earth that carries the Spirit of God. Wow. I'm going to repeat that, okay? The church on earth at this moment in time is the only body of people that are carriers of the Spirit of God. We're going to enlarge on that. The second one is that the church, the body of Christ in this day and this age is the only ones who carry the seed of the gospel. Because there's no other body on earth are carriers of that seed. The third one is that the, the church, the body of Christ is the only body of people on this earth who can carry the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Isn't that powerful? And then the final one, I'm going to to close with the fourth one, by the way. The the fourth one is this, that the church, the body of Christ, is the only group of people on earth who carry supplications that are heard in heaven. I want to expand on that because that's that's an exciting one. So anyway, let's, uh, let's just unpack these one by one and just to see what happens here. You and I... The church in this day, in this generation, are the only body of people on earth in which dwells the Spirit of God. Now, if that doesn't excite you and shake you, I don't know what will. You know, that God imparts into you the fullness of His Holy Spirit. Now, there's no other organization... No other government, no other kingdom on this earth can claim to carry the Spirit of God except the church. Does that excite you this morning? 
that we know that we carry the fullness of the Spirit of God. Paul writes in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 that we have not received the Spirit who is of this world, but we have received the Spirit who is from God. That Spirit that searches out the deep things of God, that Spirit that searches out the secret wisdom of God, who for? Paul goes on to say it is destined for you and for me. The Holy Spirit is God's communicator with heaven. Wow. And he's inside of you and he's inside of me. That we carry someone within us who is the communicator between heaven and earth. We carry in us one who is able to bring us the heart and the will and the purposes and the plans of God. Get excited. Inside the church and inside you as individual members of the body of Christ is one who is able to bring things directly from the throne of God right into your innermost being. That's a real, a real challenge, isn't it? You see, as I travel around this nation, there is places I go that I'm thinking to mention the Holy Spirit. Because rather than be the, the thing that unites the body of Christ, it appears the enemies go in, and it's the thing that divides the body of Christ. I want to nail my colours to the mast this morning, and I say that I believe that everything that's written in this book about the Holy Spirit, I believe, and it's true. Yeah? Thank you. <laughs> I do believe everything that's contained in the Word of God about the Holy Spirit, and it is for me. And it is for today. And I want to believe it and go in the fullness of that because God has put inside of me His Holy Spirit. He's not put in anything that's limited. He's not put in anything that's, uh, that was only for a certain time. The Holy Spirit is given on the earth at this time as the one who binds the body of Christ together. Make every effort to keep the, the bond of peace. How? In the unity of the Spirit. I may have got that, that wrong. No, I think I've got to go around the right way. But isn't that, isn't that wonderful? That you and I are the carriers of the Spirit of God. And because we are the carriers of the Spirit of God, we can start to see things that eyes have never seen. Because God can unveil His heart and His mind and His will into your mind and your will and your heart as a dream, as a vision, as a word. Isn't that wonderful? That the great Creator God is able and He wants to download, that's a modern word, download into your innermost being what He's thinking. And what to tell you something else? The psalmist says, every day of my life has already been written in, in your book before one of them ever comes to pass. Oh, God has already written your life story. God has already written on his pages what he wants to do in your life. God has already written on his pages all the plans and purposes that he has for you and he has for me. I find that so encouraging this morning. That God, before I was even born, you had already written the book of my life. But as you already written your life story. And the Holy Spirit is the one that brings that into enactment. The Holy Spirit within you brings to pass the things that God has written about you. Because that's why he's here. He's here to work out in you the plans and purposes of God. Isn't that amazing? God, I want to know what you've written about me in your book today. So that the Holy Spirit can take that because I believe the Holy Spirit is the one who communicates with God and brings that into the very heart of your being and brings it to pass. 
I don't want to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and Jesus says to me, Hello Bert, let me show you the life I had for you. He shows us the life that had been written in the annals of heaven for you and for me. Then he shows us the life that we've lived. I don't want that to be different. I want the life that I live to be the same life that God has written in his book about me. Yeah. And it's not too late. Because you can start today and say, God, I've I've never understood this before, but I understand it now. That what you've written in your book, you send the Holy Spirit within me, that will be able to bring that to pass. And I want my life to match up what you've written for me. I want my life to match up to the plans and purposes that you have got for me. What a privilege it is to be carriers of the Spirit of God. I could enlarge on that, because this is a, a whole message in its own. It's a whole week's message in its own. But I want to pass on. I want to pass on. But remember that the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, is the only body on earth who can carry the fullness of the Spirit of God. That's an immense privilege. Number two. If you've got your Bibles, let's turn back over to onto Mark chapter 4. Just want to say a wee thing about this. This is in the process of being developed just now. Jesus always had a lot to say about seed. He had a lot to say about seed. And I believe that the church, the body of Christ, is the only people on earth who carry the seed of the gospel. Who are the ones who are able to sow the seed of the gospel who are able to spread the seed of the gospel. And it says, I'm just going to read a wee short parable. I'm not going to read a long one about the parable of the sower. That is the parable of the seed getting sown. And it speaks about the conditions in which the seed could be received. We all know that parable. Well, I want to read that small parable uh, starting in uh, verse 26. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the kernel of the head. As soon as the the grain is ripe, he puts in the sickle. It is because the harvest is come. The potency of seed... You see, Satan hates seed like that. Because he knows that his downfall has come through seed. Remember that that promise that God gave in the garden? That the seed of the woman, the seed of the woman will be that which destroys him. And ever since that, Satan has sought to kill good seed. Because he knows that that seed is his downfall and the more that you and I spread the seed of the gospel the seed of the words of God and we know that it's watered and it's got potency to bring forth a harvest Satan does not want you to bring forth a harvest Satan does not want you to bring forth a harvest he will do everything and his means to stop you from being seed scatterers He'll do everything in his means to stop you from sowing the seed of the gospel. You know the opportunities that you've had over your life. You know the opportunities that have been opened up to you by God through the Holy Spirit. And at that moment in time, you turn away from them. Yeah? That's sad, but it's true. 
Because Satan doesn't want you to sow the seed of the gospel because he knows that when the seed is planted, then you no longer have responsibility for that seed. And this parable read together tells you the potency that what the seed is doing in the dark place. When that seed is sown in the earth, there's nothing you can do about that seed then. It's sown. There's nothing you can do to alter what's happening because it's all taking place underground and it's all taking place in the darkness. And when somebody sowed the seed into your life of the gospel, that was their responsibility finished. And the Holy Spirit then took that seed and brought you to a place of conviction. It might have been a day, it might have been a week, it might have been a year, it might have been longer, that the Holy Spirit worked on that seed in order to bring forth the harvest. Amen. And I see harvest here this morning. We're all part of the harvest of God that someone sowed the seed of the gospel in order to bring forth the harvest that's sitting in this place this morning. Isn't that wonderful? And see, Satan wants to stop us sowing that seed because he knows that that seed means that his kingdom is going to get robbed. That his kingdom of darkness is going to get, is going to, is going to get robbed. And men and women are going to be released from the kingdom of darkness and brought into where? The kingdom of the Son of God. Amen? And so, he wants to kill the seed. But you are seed carriers. You see, there's no other body on earth except the church who carry that seed to sow. Because you've got to have the seed within you before you can sow it out. And so that's one of the ways that Satan wants to try and kill the harvest by destroying you sowing the seed. Brothers and sisters this morning, keep sowing the seed. Every opportunity you get, you might not think you're doing much, but that seed. Nobody remembers the the man or the woman who brought Billy Graham to the church that night in order that the seed of the gospel was sown. And look at the harvest. Look at the harvest. So you don't know when you sow the seed what the harvest is going to be because God takes over the seed. Isn't that wonderful? The Holy Spirit takes over that seed and works in that seed out of sight and then it brings forth the harvest. And so I just want to say in this, I'm still actually developing this up, but I want to say that the church, the body of Christ, is the only body of people who are carriers of the seed of the gospel. It's the power of God, what? Unto salvation. And we want to see men and women saved and brought into the kingdom of God, don't we? We long to see the the souls of men and women get touched by the gospel. Well, I want to tell you the responsibility of sowing the seed is yours. And it's mine. Because if the seed's not sown, the Holy Spirit's got nothing to work on. But when we sow that seed, when the seed of the gospel gets into a person's heart, the Holy Spirit then works on that and brings forth the harvest has the seed been sown in your life this morning is there someone in here this morning who really doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour but you've heard the word of God and the seed has been sown in your heart this morning, maybe this is the morning of harvest, amen this might be the morning where that seed that's been sown over many months or many years comes to fruition and you say yes I see it, I'm going to come and give my life to Jesus Christ just as I am without one plea that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God. I come, you know, I forgot the third line, didn't you? <laughs> 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 so, the church, the body of Christ, is the only one who carries the Spirit of God. 
the church of, of Jesus Christ is the only group of people who carry the seed of the gospel it's exciting, this is wonderful I'm enjoying this, I hope you're enjoying that because it, it's real to me the third one is oh, I'm, I'm so glad to come to this one I really am the, 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 the church of Jesus Christ is the only ones who are able to carry the sword of the spirit which is the word of God let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6 are you with me on this this morning yeah? I'm not going to read all Ephesians chapter 6 or I just want to read that, that end bit uh, uh, from verse number 17 you know all about the armour read it when you get home it's wonderful teaching and uh, it says in verse uh, 17 take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God uh, and then we'll, we'll touch on the other bits as we come draw to the end of our, 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 our talk this morning the sword of the spirit which is the word of God you see one of the things that the Roman soldier had to put on first was the loin belt of truth and onto that loin belt of truth he put the scabbard for his sword so the two were, were linked together you couldn't have the sword or the spirit without having the loin belt of truth because that's where he hung it you know that's where it hung the shield of faith too but I just want to touch about the sword of the spirit as well see I believe in broad terms that the loin belt of truth is the logos word of God it's the complete word of God and I believe that the sword of the spirit which is used here the word here used is not logos but the word that's used here is rima <coughs> so the rima always comes out of the logos if somebody says to you that they've got a word from God from you and it doesn't match up the logos it's not from God because the, the sword of the spirit is, is linked eternally with the loin belt of truth that if a rima word is spoken into your life and it doesn't match up with the word of God don't accept it because it's not of God it's not of God Maharia is, is the sword here it's a, it's, a, a, it's a bit bigger than a dagger it's two edged it doesn't say it's two edged here but it says it's two edged in other parts of the scripture and it's the most feared it was the most feared weapon that the Roman army had it was the most feared weapon it was only it was for close contact it was for almost one to one combat that this sword was the most feared why? because it was two edged and it was sharp and there was just a wee bit at the end it was turned up so when you were, came into battle with this sword and it went inside of you it was given a twist and it was pulled back out and it rendered the enemy absolutely dead you see we are called upon to use the word of God which is the sword of the spirit effectively and we don't have to go far than what Jesus did because when Jesus was under temptation but the enemy came he didn't use any of his miraculous powers as being God what did he use? it is written you see he was taking what had already been written in the Logos and he was applying it as a, a living word at that moment as a rima but in order to use a rima word you've got to know the Logos word so my ask you that you keep studying the word of God that you keep reading the word of God because it is the living word of God and all of a sudden when you're reading the word of God you know what I'm talking about here there's a verse just jumps out at you and you, you wow 
I've read that so many times before, but wow, look at this this morning. I just the word I need. That's the Rima. See, the Holy Spirit is taking a word that's, that's been written in the Holy Spirit and it brings it alive for a moment in time that really gets into your life and into mine. And has life-changing properties where you hear a Rima word brought out at an exact time, you know, it is of God. There's more I could say on that this, this morning uh, about Rima words, but I want to I want to go on to this two-edged sword. Why was it so feared? Why was, why was it so powerful? And why did Paul use it so much in his writings? Machiria. The word for two edges is diastomas. It's a compound word. It's an odd word to be used of a sword because di means two in Greek. Stomas is the Greek word for mouth. Now you're saying, hmm, how can you? How? So the proper translation of the two-edged sword is this: that it's a two-mouthed sword. Die stomas, die two stomas mouth. Where are we going with this? I think this is exciting. I think this is really, really exciting because I believe that the word of God is two-mouthed. When it's two-mouthed, it is powerful. What do I mean with two mouths? Well, I believe when the Logos was given, it's the word of God that came from God, and it came directly from the mouth of God. Right? So that is one mouth, okay? The Logos word, when it came from God, is the word of God. What you hold in your hand, you believe, is, is the word of God. God spoke it, men wrote it, it's the word of God. So God spoke it, that is one mouth that's come out of. Wow. So, how does it become two mouths? So, when the Spirit of God takes that that you're reading... Right? And it puts it into your being, your innermost being, and when the moment comes when the enemy is against you, when you know you're in a situation, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God brings out what? It brings out a word of God, and you declare it, and it then becomes two mouthed. Now, is that not exciting? Come on, is that not exciting that when you mouth out the word of God, you declare it, it comes out of your mouth and the power of the Spirit, it then is now a one mouth sword, it becomes a two mouth sword because it's came from the mouth of God, you're using it as a rema against the enemy when you're in temptation, when you're in these thoughts, when you get these things, the Holy Spirit brings to you a word of God, you declare it, you speak it, and it becomes sharper than a two edged sword because it's a two mouth sword. You've heard the word of God, you declare the of the word of God out your mouth and that is where it's, I think that's wonderful Do you? I think that is so powerful it's a wonderful understanding of diastomas two mouthed and so I want to tell you dear saints of God this morning the victory that you'll get over the enemy is in the declaration of the word of God I want to repeat that the, the victory that you'll get over the enemy whether it's in your personal thoughts your personal life whatever you're tempted to do when you make that declaration of the word of God you are taking the machinery of the Roman soldier you're putting it in there you're twisting it and you're drawing it back out and you have made that because we don't fight with weapons of war like the world fights so the earth sword is the word of God it's a two-edged sword it's a two-mouthed word of God that goes in there and it's so so effective 
So when you're in battle with the enemy, when he's after your mind, when he's after your actions, when he's after whatever, after your tongue, after your temper, after whatever it is, if you can declare the word of God out of your mouth, you will defeat the enemy. Amen? Because it's a declaration of the word of God. It becomes two mouths. Therefore it becomes more powerful than any sword that's ever been developed. Amen? I just love that. Oh, what powerful that is, it's two mouths. Sort of, it's, it's, Thomas really, I think, came from looking at a river that's split into two, into two mouths. And so, in Revelation chapter 1, when John sees a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, what does it say? Out of his mouth comes a two-mouthed sword. Because it's so powerful. It it, it makes the enemy fear. So, read the word of God, but also declare the word of God. You see, so David, when he was a boy, and he went up to see the armies actually fighting against each other, lined up as... It's like Matthew 16, lined up as the Philistines, the gates of hell, lined up as the people of God, the people of Israel. And the gates of hell had paralyzed the people of Israel. Why? Because they put out a man called Goliath. They put out a giant. You see, it's, it's, Satan wants to put giants out against you. He realizes that. See, that's what happened when the spies went in to see uh, the land that God had promised. He had given them a promise that they would inherit the land that was flowing with milk and honey. And when Moses put in the spies, the two come back declaring the word of God. They are there, but we are able. Our God is able. Yeah? Our God is able to allow us to move. But the ten came back and said, no, there are giants in the land. And so they looked at the giants rather than the promises of God. And that's what Satan wants to do to the church and wants to do to individuals this morning. He wants to put giants in your life that seem insurmountable, that you're always going to be in defeat. But I'm going to tell you this morning, declaration changes that. You see, up comes this laddie from, from the sheep pen. And they would laugh at him and they would, they would scorn at him. But he made a declaration that he knew that his God was stronger than that giant. Amen. And Saul tried to put his armour on him, but that rendered him absolutely useless in the fight. He says, no, I've killed a lion, I've killed a bear. I've killed the many things that have come after the sheep. And I know that that I can declare who my God is, and that's where the victory is. And so he declared that. He declared that to his brothers. He declared that to the armour in the bottom. He declared that to Saul. And then threw him out against the giant. We are slinging five small stones. And the giant laughed at him too until he declared the word of God. Why do you come against, you know, the name of our God? And round and round and round and round and round and round and round. Yeah? You remember that chorus, don't you? And the stone flew through the air and the giant fell to the ground. Because the deck, see, it was a stone that did it, but it was a declaration that got the victory. See, I believe when Jesus went to the cross, I believe the declaration in Gethsemane was the victory. He had to go through the cross, he had to shed his blood, but not my will, but thine be done. He declared who his God was. And that is the most powerful thing that you have in your armory against the, the, the work of the devil who will come against you day and night. There is not a moment that the enemy is not trying to paralyze you and to stop you from doing the will of God. I want to tell you, declare the word of God. Because when you declare the word of God, it comes out to mouth. It's the word of God spoken through the Spirit by you, and that is what destroys the power of the enemy. Amen? Last one, what time is it? I've still got five minutes, yeah? The last one is this. 
if you read to the end of Ephesians chapter 6 here it says uh, because if you look at the if you, if you look at a real Roman soldier in all his armoury he hadn't six pieces of armour on he has seven pieces of armour but Paul doesn't mention the seventh one by name but he mentions it by character because every Roman soldier had a spear a spear was a thing you could throw from behind the battle lines in order to kill the enemy before he attacked the front lines and what does Paul say that spear is? he says it's prayer isn't that wonderful? because prayer, you might not be right at the battlefront but you can affect how the battle is fought you've proved that in your prayer meetings that you can affect how the battle is fought by praying and that to me is the spear throwing they had long spears, there were some spears about 30 feet long you can imagine the strength but you can imagine once it was thrown where it would go so they would be standing well back from the battlefront but they were affecting the outcome of the battle so the saints of God are the only people on this earth who are able to, to supplicate before the throne of God that, that, that's just amazing isn't it because Paul says he's saying and pray all kinds of prayers with all kinds of prayers and requests that's in the NIV and other, other versions it's uh, so supplications with, with this in mind be alert always keeping praying for all the saints your voice and my voice is heard in heaven isn't that, isn't that great? come on isn't that great? that when you come in supplication before God you carry Holy Spirit supplications because all prayer starts in the heart of God the Holy Spirit brings it into your heart to pray and when you pray it you are praying the mind and will of God and you are heard in heaven and God acts on that prayer Amen I was asked to go to Uganda as you know Uh, well well, maybe you don't know, but I was asked uh, verbally at, at the men's meeting a month ago if I would, if I go and, and speak at, at Heal the Nations conference. I said, well, I take hard to think about it. On the Wednesday night, I went to our house group, and in the middle of the house group, there was an email come through where an official uh, invitation to come and speak at Heal the Nations conference from, from my dad. And I shared it with the house group. I said, look, this has come in. I'll only go on two conditions one I know, I know it's God and two that my fare gets paid for me because I couldn't afford to pay the fare about out to Uganda I said so it, had to, it has to be God and my fare has to be paid for me when I came home for a house group there was a, a, an email in my inbox because there, there was somebody I'd heard here in, in, in next door that I got the invitation to Uganda I'd never said anything but they went home and they prayed about it and whenever I declared that I would have to have my, 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 my fare paid for me when I went home there's an email saying that it was a check place to pay my fear is that no God? you see when it's God it works and so I'm going out to Uganda with a real sense of conviction that God has a word to speak out there but no any more than a conviction that I believe that God has a word to speak out here this morning because I believe that God is giving words that are going to encourage the saints of God to stand up and to know that they're part of this end time army that's going to be the ones who prepare the highway for the coming in of our Lord Jesus Christ you see there's no other created being has the ear of God like you have there's no archangel cherubim seraphim 
angel, whatever they are created, there is no created being has the access to God that you and I have. Because they stand in the presence of God with their eyes covered and everything, waiting to do his, his bidding. But you and I are asked to come into that place and we're asked to speak. We're asked to supplicate. We're asked to pray. We're asked to change things in this world by coming to the almighty throne of grace which gives mercy and grace in times of need. Come on, your prayer meeting should be just, I, I, I believe they are, but alive knowing that you have an ear in heaven who listens to what you're praying. And as you pray in the Spirit, you believe that you're praying back to God, but He has already wants to hear you praying in order that He acts out. John Wesley says, I believe that God does not do any act on the earth except by prayer. And we want to be the ones who supplicate on behalf of our communities, on behalf of our, our fellowships, on behalf of our families, that we know that when we supplicate like that, that we carry these supplications that are heard in heaven and that God will take great delight in coming and answering them. Wow. Amen. Amen. The church, carriers of the Spirit of God, the church, carriers of the seed of the gospel. The church, carriers of the sword of the spirit. The church, carriers of supplications that are heard and answered in heaven. Amen.